0: In 1954, Guatemalan rebels attacked their own government in an attempt to overthrow the democratically elected president out of fears that he was sympathetic to the communists. The people of Guatemala listened to radio reports of huge troop movements, massive battles, and hidden terror as the rebels launched daring air raids on the capital. And the whole thing had been orchestrated by the United States government to protect the interests of a fruit company. In this week's episode of HPH, we're telling you all about this rebellion and the men who worked in the shadows to make it happen. So grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy this episode of 100 Proof History, titled The Guatemala Coup. This
1: war is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax. And enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things
0: people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and
1: Greg. Hey, everyone. Greg here. Uh, I don't know how Chris is doing, but I'm feeling a little fruity today. Chris, what oh. about you? Yeah, yeah. I'm always feeling a little
0: fruity. Got my uh, Carmen whatever her name was, fruit hat on. I'm going to do a little dance for you a little bit later.
1: Oh, I only have the banana hammock. <laughs> Has an actual banana in it. Well, yes, and it's on backwards. <laughs> so it doesn't leave a lot to the imagination. Everywhere that guy goes, the elephant just keeps staring back at me. I don't know how that shit's not working, but it's a good look for him. Well, we, yeah, as you said in the intro... We're here to talk about the Guatemalan coup, the attempt, the banana war, if you will, the banana republic. Not the clothes, kids, not the clothes. Oh, shit. This is where the term comes from.
0: I ran up my credit cards for fucking nothing. It's all up in there, talking to Trevor, asking him if that shirt looked good on me, if it made me look a little fat, you know, asking him if he'd like to come to the dressing room watch me put on shirts. You know, try on some other clothes. Ask him what time he gets off of work. You know, and us- what happened? Oh, nothing. He uh, he sold me a shitload of khaki pants. Uh, you know, I left out of there feeling like a jackass. I'd explain it all to my wife later. She's like, he didn't even fuck you? Like, no, that's <laughs> a crazy thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> right? Oh, by the way, I can't buy our kid Christmas presents anymore. Sorry. <laughs> she, uh... She like pleated pants? Does she care for the Dockers?
1: Show me the receipts. (laughs) Alright, here you go. These are all gift receipts. (laughs) I didn't want you knowing how much I actually spent trying to fuck this dude.
0: (laughs) Anyway, today, Greg, our source is Bitter Fruit, the story of the American coup in Guatemala by Stephen Schlesinger and Stephen Kinzer. uh, Two journalists. This book's actually about 40 years old, written in 1982, but it holds up. They got their facts straight, did a bunch of Freedom of Information Act requests, got all this information from the government, because they kept records of fucking everything. And they were able to uh, put together a really good book, really good story. What'd you think of it? I enjoyed it. I did. Um it's used as a textbook now. It like places like Harvard and stuff like that. So you can see some of the stuff in the book being repeated from previous chapters. That's a bit of a momentum killer. You're like, yeah, I already know that. But other than that, I I enjoyed it.
1: Uh did you uh, you like it as well um yes it is a book <laughs> that i read with my eyes yes and i yeah. did read it
0: yes yes
1: so moving on
0: <laughs> i think i saw your uh your review on the the back flap actually that very <laughs> <laughs> word for word review uh, but yeah, no, good book. Um, guys, check it out if you get a chance.
1: Well, Chris, are you ready to get into this story? Yeah, I suppose we can do that. We can talk about it. Then three, two, one, go.
0: Okay, our story begins back in 1870 when an American ship captain named Lorenzo Baker landed his boat in Jamaica and saw the people there were just wild for bananas. Matter of fact, you could say they were going. Nuts for them. <laughs> oh, he tricked me. Shit. Very few Americans had even seen a banana. So he bought 160 bunches at one shilling per stock. Eleven days later, he arrived back in the U.S. where he sold them for $2 a bunch. Which seems exorbitant even by today's prices.
1: That is a bunch of money. <laughs>
0: yes. Come to the dark side. Shortly thereafter, the people of America realized that not only were bananas high in the vital mineral potassium, but you could also use the peels to trip up any murderers or rapists who were chasing you through the Victorian-era streets. Actually, they just really liked the taste, and Captain Baker couldn't keep up with the demand on his own. So in 1885, he and ten other men formed the Boston Fruit Company, which I like to call the New England Patriots, am I right, (laughs) guys? Yeah. Homophobic joke. Whoa, is that what he meant? <laughs> you know, Jesus. Fruit, you know. Oh, I just got canceled. All right, I'll see you guys later, Greg. You got the rest of the show.
1: No, no, no. He—that's not what he meant. Oh, that yes, not they, what he meant. Yes, I do that's not right. want to do this whole show by myself. <laughs> Saved it. By 1898,
0: the Boston Fruit Company was selling 16 million bunches of
1: bananas a year. Well, that's a bunch of bananas. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> and little-known fact. Today, Americans consume 6.4 billion pounds of bananas each year. According to the Mayo Clinic, the average American eats 27 pounds of bananas every year. According to Uber, their eating service delivered 25,150 pounds of bananas in the month of September 2021 alone. I don't eat bananas. You eat bananas? No, I don't eat that many bananas. Like, you don't eat 27
0: pounds of bananas a year? I eat, like, four. There's, like, some guy picking up our end of that deal. Like, that guy who's intentionally gaining weight on YouTube for views. You seen that guy?
1: No, and I'm sure there's more than one guy doing that.
0: Well, this dude was, like, a famous YouTuber before, and then he started eating, and people started encouraging him. He's gained, like, 200 pounds, and it's disgusting. Jesus eats, does eating challenges So he's he's the one taking all our bananas Down his throat mm.
1: If you will No we got bored enough In Iraq to where we did have Banana deep throating competitions
0: mm. Was this While you were in the air force or was it just, just Yes visiting? <laughs>
1: <laughs> No it, yeah it was Oh okay we did a lot we're, of weird uh, things We were so bored Yeah
0: Yeah, that's how you got butt
1: pregnant. Mm. Didn't make it to terms, so. I'm sorry.
0: I didn't mean it. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Butt miscarriage. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Greg.
1: It was the next day.
0: Uh. (laughs) Anyway. Well, by 1899, the banana growers of Jamaica and Cuba weren't able to keep up with American demands so the men of the Boston Fruit Company decided they should buy up their own land and start their own plantations in Central America. To that end, they turned to a man named Minor Keith, who owned and maintained the only railroads in Central America. Oh, Minor Keith, my favorite. <laughs> Legally, they had to call Minor Keith, because you can't put juvenile full names and date of births in legal documents. Dude, don't...
1: <laughs> You're being nasty. I was talking about a slightly less loud queef. That's
0: true. I'm sorry. You no, know, it's I... just
1: it's just the hint, which is sexy. <laughs> By an adult. Jesus.
0: I apologize. I'm sorry to all of our listeners. I I don't know what I was thinking. Across the line.
1: It's like when you're driving along and you're Mazda Miata and Mm-hmm. Your buddy just lets out, like, just a, a tiny toot. Yeah. You know, it's endearing. <laughs> you know, it's just like a toot. It's not a nasty fart. Yeah. But it's just something buddies can share, enjoy together, you know?
0: And You look over and you're like, was that you? And he raises his hand up to his mouth and does that Japanese anime laugh. Hee <laughs> <laughs> Oh.
1: Exactly.
0: I got you. Okay. Jeez. Same page now. We've been on break, man. We got to get back on on the same
1: flow. Yeah, but I can tell by that last little comment, you got the waifu doll you were asking for. <laughs> it was a great Christmas, man.
0: I don't have to go Can't down Believe the stair- your mom and
1: dad got that for you. <laughs> I
0: know it was Santa. What the fuck are you talking about, mom and dad? Mm,
2: mm, mm.
1: Of course, Santa.
0: <laughs> I was just picturing now this poor bearded man who makes toys for children dragging a Japanese sex doll across a snowy roof. And into her chimney, he's like shoving it down with a stick. Like get down there, get down
1: there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not the only stick, and she's gonna get on this <laughs> morning. <laughs> well, I I
0: couldn't I couldn't you know function. She was just so pretty, and I was so nervous. You know, it just didn't I just couldn't get there. I think we need to go to couples counseling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if? you wore a mustache would that be okay with you because that might help
1: my my issues on my end no no it's because it would be funny and that would disarm me not because i have those proclivities yeah yeah it would be funny and then (laughs) i would forget about my problems
0: what if i put a voice box in you but instead of like Chatty Cathy or something, it's Woody from Toy Story. So when I pull it, it says, there's a snake in my boot. And I'll be like, yeah. All right, Woody. Let's, uh, let's get a snake in that boot. Yeah. You know?
1: I'm just spitballing here. I'm just the English version of boot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the butt. Yes. There's about to be Woody. I'm
0: finally getting Woody, if you know what I mean, darling. <laughs>
1: I just want to have sex with a cowboy, okay? Jesus Christ. Let's just get through Let's just stop pretending. And I know you're getting uh, a good buzz right now. (laughs) Because I put that stuff in your man (laughs) hat. Enjoy. Let's see you in the morning. (laughs) Again, it's perfectly okay because we're talking to an
0: inanimate object. This is a doll. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So even in my sexual fantasies, I can't. Have sex unless it's a man that's drugged.
1: (laughs) But again, let's stress this. Inanimate It's a doll. Yeah. Just like Woody and Buzz. Yes. Yep. But Andy got a waifu.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So anyways, uh, bananas.
1: Yeah, that thing. If this is your first episode, I am so, so sorry. (laughs) Let me check out this history podcast. We usually wait until way later to get to this kind of stuff.
0: I know, yeah. We've been on break. We've been storing it up, okay? We've been saving it.
1: (laughs) Oh, the floodgates are open.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We don't know when to stop. We can't get this train back on the rails. (laughs) Well, the Boston Fruit Company merged with Minor Keith's Railroad Monopoly and became the United Fruit Company. The guy owned all four railroads.
1: There's only four spots on the board, did not really help you, but c- good luck. $200 a land, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Whatever.
1: It's a sucker strategy. Just saying.
0: United Fruit bought up land in Panama, Honduras, Nicaragua, Colombia, but their largest holding was in Guatemala. When the markets crashed in 1929, the United Fruit Company wasn't immune, and their stocks began to plummet. Enter a dude named Samuel Zamuri. Hmm. Just point me in the direction.
1: <laughs> and I will enter a dude. Oh,
0: okay. I got you. Oh, it, okay. it was a command. I got you. Yes. Oh. Please continue. Will do. <laughs> Well, Zamuri began his career selling bananas in Mobile, Alabama, where he earned the name Sam the Banana Man.
1: B A N A. No, oh, we're not doing that anymore.
0: No, let's keep it. Let's keep going, man. It made Gwen Stefani a star, a star. And then she did like country music or something. I don't know what she did after that. She did like The Voice, maybe one of those shows. I think that was her husband. She ditched. Hell, I don't know. Ditched the guy from Bush. He was fucking the nanny. I don't know any of this tabloid stuff. I just felt bad for Gavin Rosdale, because... He did it! When's the last time you heard of Bush
1: doing anything? Me, when my wife told me mine was too unkempt. (laughs) That's what, you don't like this button on a fur coat, baby? (laughs) I can't even find it. Jesus Christ.
0: No... I bet you Gavin Rosdale made some weird sex noises, because even his singing sounded like he'd been smoking for six days straight, just walking in the studio, don't let the days go by. So, you know, it's probably like having sex with Louis Armstrong.
1: <laughs> and also, I don't think button on a fur coat is accurate. No? It's more like you get the top of an acorn, mm-hmm. and then uh, if you glued it to a bush outside. <laughs> okay. That's, that's kind of how it looks. I got gotcha. you. Just a, a thatchet. <laughs> like,
0: if you put your hand in there, you're going to get all scratched up trying to get stuff. It's like a yeah briar patch. Yeah. There's like a bunch of frisbees and soccer balls in there that kids won't
1: ever get back. Like, no, we're not going in there again. Just got the dog from the sandlot. <laughs>
0: Well, from there, Sam the Banana Man bought a ton of land in Honduras, which was bought by the United Fruit Company in exchange for United Fruit stock. When the stock prices plummeted in 1929, Zamuri bought up enough stock to make himself director of the board. Under Zamuri, stock prices soared, and he signed agreements with a dictator of Guatemala, a general named Jorge Ubico, that gave United Fruit total exemption from taxes, duty-free imports, and a guarantee of low wages. In fact, Ubico demanded that United Fruit pay their workers no more than 50 cents a day so that other workers in the country wouldn't get jealous and rise up. It was around that time that United Fruit formally bought the railroads in Guatemala and took control of its only Atlantic port, Puerto Barrios. In essence, United Fruit owned all of international commerce in Guatemala, they controlled the only port, and they controlled the railroad, which was the only way to get goods in and out of that port. The banana plantation workers were paid practically nothing and were treated like shit because most of the Americans who worked for United Fruit in Guatemala were racist assholes from the deep south who had been chosen to live there because they are already used to living in hot and humid conditions
1: and being racist,
0: yeah, and treating brown people like shit, yeah yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that was important too. Things under General Ubico were pretty great for United Fruit, but pretty shit-tacular for the people of Guatemala. But those things started to change in 1944. In June of that year, brave men and women stormed the beaches of Omaha. Not women. Don't know why i included them with that. They weren't there. They were at home, giving their stockings to the war effort. And also in Guatemala, a large group of school teachers decided to protest their low wages by refusing to march in the annual Teacher's Day parade. In response, you know, just a a nice, measured, the people are protesting me, I'm gonna see what their demands are, you know, just reach out, try and mend some fences. So,
1: you know, show some goodwill.
0: Yeah, yeah. Gonna gas the crowd and walk across the street to the church, basically. No, wait, that's... Whoa, (laughs) whoa! (laughs) No, no. No, nothing like that. I mean, he just, uh... uh, Jorge Hubico, he just uh, ordered his cavalry to charge into the protest. And in the process, 200 people were killed or injured. You know? Oh. Mm. Yeah, whatever. One of the teachers, Maria Chinchilla, died and became a national martyr. And I regret saying her name like that. Like a fucking news anchor after I read the back half of that sentence. I was like, this is a fun word to say. Chinchilla! Died! Made a martyr. Well, following the death of Maria Chinchilla, protests rage prompting Jorge Yubico to step down. He was replaced by a general named Federico Ponce, who was also a dickhead, but he wanted to at least pretend that Guatemala was a democracy, so he planned rigged elections for the fall. This guy was pretty cool, and I say cool and mean. He was like a giant asshole. Like when Ubico stepped down, he's like, oh, they just didn't like that guy in particular, but they were pretty pretty cool with all of his policies and the way he treated people, right? (laughs) Like, you know, I'm going to do the same thing he did, but my name's different. They'll love me. They'll love me forever. Well, his opponent was Juan Jose Arevalo, a philosophy professor who had fled Guatemala to avoid arrest. Arvalo didn't stand much of a chance, but in October, two young military officers, Major Francisco Arana and Captain Jacobo Arbenz, killed their superior officers, distributed weapons to students and defectors from the army, and they attacked police stations and military installations.
1: You think it's Jacobo? It is Jacobo.
0: You think it's Jacobo? Ah, oh, that may be two. Jacobo. That sounds cooler too. Sounds like some job of the Hutt would say. Gold corn beans! That means I want to fuck that girl in the gold bikini, but I can't find my dick.
1: I don't want her for that. She's just going to lick my fucking balls.
0: <laughs> I haven't cleaned that thing in 20 parsecs. Yes, I know it's a... It's a distance... That was the last time I cleaned it. It was 20 parsecs away. <laughs> that bidet at that fucking rest stop. <laughs> what do you mean that was a hobo with a bottle of seltzer? All right. Well, let me back it up. Hakubo. Federico Ponce asked the U.S. to bomb the rebels, but they refused. In the end, Ponce agreed to step down and was replaced by the military junta of Arana and Arbenz, who promptly named Juan Jose Arevalo as the new president of Guatemala. For those of you who don't know, a junta is basically like any time your country gets taken over by the military and they just put like these dudes in charge, like more than one guy, like a triumvirate. There you are, juntas.
1: Rolling with my juntas. Mm. Hatun-
0: uh, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to do a Hakuna Mikata thing, but it's too many syllables and I'm an idiot. It's also matata. When I say makata? God. Yeah.
2: <sighs> yeah. Kill myself.
0: A few months later, in early 1945, a popular election was held, and Aravalo officially won the presidency in a landslide. The country he took over was not in very good shape. The average worker made a whopping $90 a year. Mm. A little bit jealous of that, but whatever, I guess that's a bad thing. (laughs) 2% of the landowners, including United Fruit, owned 72% of all of the land. 75% of the populace was illiterate, and the national life expectancy was 50 years. I'm also a little jealous of that, because my doctor says I don't have that much time left. It's the whiskey, Chris. It's a hard-knocks life for me. That's right. It's a hard knocks life for us. No, you're doing pretty good. Palatial estate. Taking all the Patreon money. Taking all Wolf Dick's money. Look at me. That's true. Yeah. Just just struggling to get by. Living here in this boarding home with all these other convicts. All these felons. They disgust me. The crimes
1: they committed. But I like how, like at the front, the owner has... Uh, little slots for all of your sex offender registry cards. Whoa, 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 whoa. That way people know right when they enter, and you don't lose <laughs> it. It's a convenience. <laughs> it's like a kindergarten place for their shoes. Little mats. I don't think that comparison is very apropos, but yes. <laughs> I
0: probably shouldn't tie it into this situation. You're right. That's only making matters worse for myself. But I, I don't think I should be on that registry because... As we pointed out, the thing that I sexually offended was an inanimate object. It's a doll. Just because I was soft in the middle till we started doing it in the middle of that Target. You know, right by the popcorn machine. Fine, I have a weird thing about popcorn turning me on.
1: Yeah, well, the jury felt that uh, the intent overrid basically the action, so...
0: <sighs> whatever.
1: This country's bullshit. Joe
0: Biden needs to do something, for Christ's sakes, and help people like me, like, you know, get back on the border and I didn't have a mask
1: on, but the doll did. (laughs) We were half compliant. I ain't wearing a fucking mask. The doll had the vaccine. (laughs) Trust me, I inject her on a daily
0: basis. (laughs) But only when she's wearing a mustache and talks like Woody from Toy Story. Oh, history podcast. Now, the thing about the land was that most of it was going unused. Since United Fruit owned all the land on which bananas were grown, they had complete control over the supply and could keep it lower to increase the price. As a result of the 4 million acres that could be cultivated in Guatemala, 3 million were going to waste. One of the ways Arevalo sought to change this and improve his country's economy was to try and change this imbalance. In 1949, the Guatemalan Congress passed a law of land rental. Basically, any peasant who owned a small piece of land that was near some unused corporate land could petition the government to farm that land. And naturally, that law pissed off United Fruit, and they bitched to the U.S. government, who began looking into the possibility of communist influence On the Guatemalan government. Inside Guatemala, infighting and jealousy were derailing Aravalo's administration. Several coups were uncovered, and it was believed that the military chief of staff, Francisco Arana, who wanted to be president himself, was behind most of them. Aravalo was fortunate enough to survive his term as president, but as the next elections grew closer, it was clear that the top two candidates to replace him were the two men who had put him in power Francisco Arana on the right. And Hakabo Arbenz, on the left, it is a very Star Wars name. Sounds like a fucking X-Wing pilot. Saves the day. Gets told off by a purple hair lord, Dern, that he can't go fight Darth Vader or whatever because the ship's gonna run out of gas. Because spaceships run out of gas. Or something. I don't know. That movie sucked. I'm sorry. The, the middle of the new ones. It, none of it made sense. So,
1: The last one was real bad, too.
0: They're all bad. The fucking sequels are bad.
1: The idea made a million dollars. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, Jerry, this is the worst idea I've ever
0: heard. This idea is terrible. (laughs) It was set to be a very tight contest, but in July of 1949, Horano was ambushed on the road and killed in a gun battle by unknown and mysterious gunmen. Well, despite the obvious fact this was orchestrated by Arbenz, or someone who supported him, Hako Arbenz won the election in 1950 with 65% of the vote. So, somehow, this dude who had his opponent killed still lost 35% of the vote to the dude that was killed? Was it rigged, or is it not? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, They had those Dominion counting machines down there. And I just don't trust those things.
1: With the little squeaky yellow things with the glasses? No. (laughs) Not
0: Dominion. Dominion. You know, the ones who rigged this past election in 2020.
1: Oh, okay. I gotcha. Took me a second.
0: Took me a second. Son of a bitch. You mean the election
1: that was stolen? Yes. The big lie. Whoa wait, whoa wait wait, wait, wait wait listener new listener before you turn us off mm-hmm. We're joking. Yes. We don't believe that happened. <sighs> Almost lost him, Chris.
0: And also, lawyers of Dominion were, were joking. Please don't please let me out of this class action suit you filed against me and Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood. I had nothing to do with it. I was <laughs> joking. Jesus Christ. Let me out. Arbenz first began work on a publicly owned port and highway to the Atlantic to compete with the port and railway owned by United Fruit. Then he began work on a hydroelectric plant, since most of the country's electricity came from American-owned plants. But on June 27, 1952, Arbenz signed Decree 900, which, unbeknownst to him, doomed his presidency and democracy in Guatemala.
1: Which, that's really sad. Because, I don't know about you, Mm -hmm. big fan, personally, of Guatemala. Yeah? Yeah, dude. Come on. You go to the restaurant, you know, especially if you get the live Guatemala. (laughs) Like, bring it table side, just make it right in front of you. (laughs) Love that shit. Get to choose the ingredients. Yeah. The fuck out of here, man. Who doesn't (laughs) love that shit?
0: Oh, guacamole for the slow ones in the audience is what Greg is thinking
1: of. Well, now that you say it out loud, it sounds way more off than I was thinking in my head. <laughs> I know very fuck little you, about... this. you, Fuck you, Chris, continue. I know very little about
0: Guatemala. Not a big fan, because I thought they were South Americans, and I had to look at a map, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Central America. Yeah, huh. definitely Central America. Uh, okay. All right, well, I'm an idiot. But uh, here we are, anyways, doing the doing the podcast.
1: I mean, they're down there. They're they're close to...
0: They're all south tucked America. away down there in the unimportant country south of the Texas border. Jesus. I mean, they're down there even in Central America. Yeah, they're close to the mainland of South America. They're right there. Yeah. Like, right by Panama and, yeah. you know, Honduras and stuff, Nicaragua, all in the same area. Yeah. Um, this is our first South of Mexico story in the Western Hemisphere. Very specific. And that very... That quadrant was our Not first story true. over there. No, Have we did we Nazi something? hunters. Episode. Oh fuck! I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Well, never mind. I should know it's more. about Largely
1: more. Argentina and just all over South America, really.
0: Oh shit!
1: Coast of Brazil having strokes. <sighs> okay, come on. I'm sorry. Oh, I forgot we did those episodes. Yeah, because it was a bad dream for you. It was.
0: They kept catching my my bros. God. No. No. Under Decree 900, known as the Agrarian Reform Bill, the government could appropriate uncultivated portions of large plantations. Basically, if the plantation was bigger than 223 acres and had less than two-thirds of its land cultivated, the government could buy it back from the owner using a 25-year government bond with interest. And Jesus Christ, that sentence reads like a fucking standardized
1: test math question. But it's kind of important. Yes, it is important. Like enough. once we get into valuations of what the land is worth, what each acre is worth, this becomes important. So if you need to, hit that uh, rewind button, mm-hmm. smash that oh. like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, yeah! <fuck. laughs> Even though, you know, it's just it's just a podcast but. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> but mainly the rewind button, just yeah. so you can kind of understand uh-huh.
0: that. Now, the government would buy it back on its tax appraised value, but that was pretty shitty news for United Fruit, who had lied about the value of their land for decades to avoid paying taxes. But the law was a good law for the development of the Guatemalan economy and the working poor, but it did face some problems at home. Some peasants got tired of waiting for the government to give them land, so they just started stealing their neighbor's land, no matter who owned it or whether it was being worked or not. The small Guatemalan Communist Party would frequently encourage such behavior and would bitch at our bins for this slow-moving program. And the Communist Party was small, make no mistake about it. Their largest presence in the government was in the National Agrarian Department, where there were 26 communists out of 350 representatives, so less than 10%, and that's important to remember going forward.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Dude, obviously, this is what they want you to think. (laughs) Joseph McCarthy told me this is what they want you to think, okay? They're all fucking rats, you know that. Just trying to get a piece of your capitalist cheese. Come on, man, open your fucking eyes. Quit wearing your mask. <laughs> Name one country where capitalism's worked. Go ahead, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, that's right. Oh, let me just put this magnet on you. Pull out all your fucking Bill Gates, Jeff <laughs> Bezos, Elon <laughs> Cuck fucking chips. You're part of the problem, Chris. Yeah. You're part of the fucking problem. Yeah. Continue with your little fuck fake news story. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I won't make another fucking peep, Chris. Go. Go. (laughs) All right. Well,
0: back to the story. On the whole, there were 4,000 registered communists out of a population of 3 million people. Oh, God. (laughs) You fucking
1: communist. (laughs) I said I wouldn't make a peep. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Oh, God. You probably think the 2020 election wasn't stolen. <laughs> Just fucking say it. What a coincidence if I'm right. Huh?
0: Huh? Uh, well, Greg, may I continue with our story? <laughs> See? More communism. Shared. Just, uh, Bring you with me. Lead you down that rabbit hole. I quit the podcast. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, getting back to the story, while President Hakubo Arbenz did not denounce communists, just like I guess I haven't on this show, so Greg's attacking me, he repeatedly stated his administration and his programs were not communist in nature. He was just trying to jumpstart his economy by creating capitalist programs to compete with the foreign companies that dominated his country. And that's one of the sad things about this, is this dude's like, hey, what if uh, we, we could compete with all these foreign companies in our country? What if we could actually produce our own goods and make money? And then everybody's like, oh, you fucking
1: red motherfucker. You commie son of a bitch. <laughs> what if we produced our own B A N A N A S? <laughs> Is that so bad? Is that so red? Because it seems very yellow to me. <laughs> and the yellow converts to green. mm None of you motherfuckers see it. America always wins. Salute!
0: I'm proud to be an American, Greg. Oh, boy. At least I know I'm free, you fucking commie prick. Turn around on you, you son of a bitch. I'll accuse you of being communist, and Joseph McCarthy will come after you. And you won't be able to be in adult films anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get blacklisted, and not the good kind of being blacklisted. You know, the, the, you're sitting on a couch and there's seven dudes behind you. Kind of blacklisted. BBC porn, Greg. Oh. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. In 1951, before Decree 900 had even been issued, the United Fruit Company had visited President Arbenz and asked him to extend the generous terms they had been given by former dictator Jorge Ubico. Arbenz politely told them to fuck off, and that started the fight between his administration and the company. What Arbenz didn't know was that the fruit company had some very powerful friends in the U.S. government, who if they didn't own United Fruit Stock, they're just straight up taking bribes from the company. On Hitler's birthday, 1954. Blaze it. Yep. 420. 420. U.S. Secretary of State John Dulles paid a visit to Guatemala to deliver a formal complaint. Dulles said that the land taken from the United Fruit Company was basically being stolen. The government was paying about $3 an acre for land that United Fruit had said was only worth about a buck forty-eight. But Dulles was saying that a fair value was closer to $75 an acre. In a country where the average person made $90 a year.
1: Dolus, Dolus, Dolus. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, Dolus.
2: Hmm. Eh. Yeah. I'm sure it'll come up.
0: We'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. It'll probably come up later. You're right. Our pointed out that he was paying what UFC said it was worth, not the United Fighting Championship. Championship. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> the United Fruit Company but Dulles told him everyone knew that price was bullshit and the land was worth way more it it would be weird if they went to the fighting championship they went to Dana White and said how much is this land worth he's like I oh, fucking know man I don't know you ask Joe Rogan those are the two things I know about UFC it's worth five
1: ivermectins <laughs> yes Is that where you were going with that? I don't know. Those are the two things. I don't know what you know about Dana White (laughs) and Joe Rogan, but that's my guess. (laughs) Those two things.
0: Now, it might surprise you, Greg. This may be shocking. But John Dulles had previously been a lawyer that represented United Fruit in their negotiations with Guatemala and held a good deal of stock. Wait. Seems...
1: A bit like a conflict of interest. No, no. Obviously, he has the best interest. If he's got the the live Guatemala being made <laughs> right at his table, <laughs> and he owns stock in live Guatemala, mm-hmm. he would have a vested interest in live Guatemala doing well. He's
0: like... Why don't you put some bananas in that shit? I'm like, no! That'll ruin I said Let's put some fucking bananas in some... Put some... Fuck. Some
1: America. <laughs> he <cocks his> gun <laughs> yeah. to let him know he's serious. <laughs> Whoa, Jesus. Okay, fine. Yeah,
0: gee, okay. Fine.
1: Let's see who's in charge here. I mean I think we have some plantains back there not good enough re the gun the <laughs> shell no, just around <laughs> flies in the, the live guac wait I thought you had Guatemala. I thought you had
0: to do this in the movies every time you pulled your gun out you had to cock it <laughs> Well back in America Sam Sam the Banana Man Sam Murray well he hired three different people to independently provide public relations work for United Fruit they all began to spread word that President Arbenz was a dirty commie, and the people of Guatemala were desperate for liberation. They got all those weapons of mass destruction. You know, they're going to attack Israel any day now, fellas. We got to go to war. We got to save them.
1: I want to get a Colin Powell in here. He'll tell you. That's right. May he rest in peace. Yep. Pour one out for old Colin. Died of Colin Powell cancer. <laughs>
0: Oh, you're on fire today, I want you to know that, I want you to know that right now. All I hear is a podcast host so killing is it. So that
1: live Guatemala, which is why you need to spritz some of that lime juice why over. is it on it. fire? It actually tames the heat. Oh, okay. You put jalapenos. No, it tames the heat. Gotcha. For, yeah, yeah. Because you did too many of the jalapenos when they are making it. God, Chris. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you even go out during COVID? <laughs> God.
0: One of these PR guys even brought several reporters down to Guatemala and hired peasants to back up the claims of communism, which were repeated in U.S. newspapers. Another PR guy put together a binder that pointed out all the way...
1: Was whoa, 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 whoa. Well, he working with fucking Mitt Romney? <laughs> binders full of women. That's right. Nice. So many binders. I'm sure all our uh, 12-year-olds will get
0: that. Whatever, man, we just... Natal, a reference that occurred after the year 2000, we just fucking killed that shit. That's
1: true. I don't know what this we shit is, but that is true. Communism. That's what it is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. We shared the joke credits. Yes. Distribute the and wealth. Communism does <laughs> suck. <laughs>
0: yeah, so he put together a binder that pointed out all the ways communism had invaded Guatemala. And how it was all set to become a Western Hemisphere base of operations for the hated Soviets. it's where Ivan Drago was going to train, down in Guatemala. Rockies up there carrying bunches of bananas up those mountains. But it, it didn't work out. <laughs> didn't work out. We'll find out why. Now, his binder was almost complete and total bullshit. But he sent it to Congress, and they just ate it up. Like some live Guatemala. Right on the chips. Mm. Mm, so good. Oh, You ever get some with like the orange juice in it? Man, That uh, really brightens it up. You know, the citrus? It's really good. Interesting.
1: No, no. Okay.
0: A few weeks later, some of the facts he had made up on the spot wound up in President Dwight Eisenhower's briefing. Through outstanding public relations work, the United Fruit Company had convinced Americans that the Guatemalans were communists, Arbenz was a dictator, and if something wasn't done, the Soviets would control all of the bananas in the world. And no one wanted that shit to happen. Now, Hakubo Arbenz was going to have to face the wrath of America's best and brightest. Wait. Wait, no. I'm sorry. Scratch that. I, I didn't read the, the next sentence. Uh, he was going to have to face the wrath of the often bumbling, inept Central Intelligence Agency. Who would come out on top? You'll find out after this break, brought to you by More Liquor. And on the border. <laughs> they don't do live gua- Guatemala, do they? No shit. They're the ones. Oh, fuck. they do it. You go over there, get some of that. And those weird, their, their tortilla chips are always like half a tortilla. So you, like, you gotta break them up in like eight pieces. And everybody's like looking at you weird because you didn't wash your hands. But you're not double dipping, but you're still breaking the chip into a bunch of pieces and dipping it. And you have, like, you know, an open wound next to your mouth that's actively leaking substances. And, like, I don't really want to share any live Guatemala with this this gentleman who chose to wear, wear a halter top to this particular family reunion, but...
1: <laughs> the needle's still hanging out of his arm. Yeah. The tourniquet's still on there. His arm is now
0: purple. Yeah. Keeps talking about how communism hasn't really been tried in its purest form in any country in the world, you know? Keeps doing that. <laughs> Ugh. Shit, now I have some good ideas for my break. I know what I'm doing. Give me some live Guatemala from on the border.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
0: Alright, we are back from break. Hope you enjoyed it. I say that every week, and every week it's like ten seconds for these people. Like uh the theory of relativity in practice, right? Because for us that was three days. I haven't showered, I haven't eaten. All I've thought about is this Guatemalan coup, and man, I'm ready. I'm ready for Greg. Tell us this He is episode.
1: severely Severely dehydrated from the waifu. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, Woody Jr.
1: Sex doll that (sighs) looks like an adolescent female, but in fact has a mustache. (laughs) And uh, I've noticed over these several days it now has a uh, replica human penis that vibrates strapped to the front of it. I've just been thinking about
0: Guatemala and bananas and stuff, man. It's you know, really focusing on that, and there have been developments on other fronts, but i'm that maybe I'm not so proud of, but you know, I really want to focus on the show, you know, really focus on my work.
1: It's not even curved like a banana though, so what's your excuse there?
0: <laughs> I don't let's not worry about that right now. How about that? How about we just focus on the story, and let's focus on the second half of the story, which we can't really get into till we do something else, and that's something that I didn't know we were going to bring back from break, but we brought it back, and that is... Bump of Cocaine. And Second Half Seltzer. Oh,
1: oh, yes. <laughs> second Half Seltzer. Second Half Seltzer. Second, second half, half Seltzer!
2: seltzer.
0: <laughs> and three, two, one. Oh. oh, I fizzed it everywhere. Jesus Christ. Can't even drink it. It's spilling on my pants. I am wearing Monica Lewinsky's blue dress, but that's for my waifu later. (laughs) (laughs) This is the number one history podcast as voted by America. Obviously, we talk about history, and that's what Greg's going to do now. We're not going to talk about my waifu anymore, I'm sure.
1: Well, when we left you a few scant minutes ago, we were talking about how United Fruit had used the specter of communism to convince the U.S. government. They needed to do something about President Jacobo Arbenz. What's so bad about communism, you ask from your public university dorm room as you smoke a doob under your Che Guevara poster? Well, in the 1950s, communism and the Soviets were the boogeymen. So, saying communism was hanging out a few hours south of the border was their version of saying This call is coming from inside the house. In 1952, when Harry S. Truman was still president, the CIA, headed by Alan Dulles, pitched a plan known as Operation Fortune that would give a bunch of American guns to the Nicaraguans and have them invade Guatemala and depose Arbenz. Initially, Truman was all aboard, and the CIA actually put some guns on a ship, but Truman's Secretary of State, Told him it was a stupid idea in old Harry S. Well, he called it off. But that same year, the stupid libtard Democrats lost the presidential election, and Truman was replaced with war hero, General Dwight D. Eisenhower!
0: Sunday night at Horny DJ. Eisenhower. do they still do those radio ads like that i don't even know i just listen to quality history podcasts
1: such as this Ugh, i don't pause for laughter <laughs> <laughs> well oh like he is all about being strong against communism so once they convinced him that guatemala was turning commie red he approved cia action against the government Yes, Greg, and little-known
0: fact, one of the strongest voices against intervention in Guatemala was none other than the grandson of President Teddy and noted pig-loving frog, Kermit Roosevelt. (laughs) Stupid. Thank you. Kermit had actually helped overthrow the Iranian government for the CIA, but he thought intervening in Guatemala was of no benefit to the United States because there was actually very little communism in the country. What about that bay of pigs?
1: Hmm.
0: Like to fuck that.
1: (laughs) Uh, Definitely not Guatemala. (laughs) Well, earlier Chris mentioned that John Dulles, who was Eisenhower's Secretary of State, had represented United Fruit as a lawyer and owned stock. So did his brother, CIA Director Alan Dulles. So did U.N. Ambassador Henry Cabot Lodge. So did the brother of Eisenhower's personal secretary. The undersecretary of state, Bedell Smith, owned stock and would later be named director of the board, as would Robert Hill, the ambassador to Costa Rica. It's, uh, it's almost as if a whole bunch of people in the U.S. government stood to benefit from the success of United Fruit. Eisenhower officially approved action against Guatemala in August of 1953. Alan Dulles invited his CIA buddies over for cocktails, and they came up with a plan of action. The plan they came up with was thought to be so foolproof that they just went ahead and named it Operation Success. Smart. That's cocky. (laughs) So cocky. (laughs) The man they tapped to run things in South America was the CIA's South Korean station chief, Colonel Albert Haney. He came up with a plan that involved first using psychological warfare to cause dissension within the Guatemalan military and then support an invasion of Guatemalan liberators that would overthrow the government. Their first step was to try and simply bribe President Arbenz to step down, but that failed. So Haney moved to the jungles of Nicaragua and began to provide military training to 300 Guatemalan exiles. Using dummy corporations and fake charitable organizations, Alan Dulles was able to purchase American guns and ship them off to Haney and his rebels. Pretty much no one in Guatemala knew how to fly a plane, so a bunch of former U.S. Army pilots were recruited to join the CIA, called the Liberation Air Force. Now, a liberation needs a liberator, and for that the CIA turned to Miguel Igidores who promptly told them that their plan was solid, but he wasn't going to be their bitch after he won. So the CIA then turned to Juan Cordova-Cerna, who then used CIA money to travel to New Orleans to get treatment for his severely shitty throat cancer.
0: Wait a second.
1: So you're telling me the government paid for somebody's health care? Like,
0: whoa. My tax dollars paid for that guy's health care back in 1954? You know what that sounds like? Communism. No shit.
1: Yeah. Got him. Got him again. God damn it. Well and thus the CIA finally found their liberator in a man named Carlos Castillos Armas whose only belief was quote Guatemala good communism bad. Time would write that Armas was picked over Yigadoras because he was younger, but also because quote. He was a stupid man. (laughs) Armas was flown to Florida, where he met with the CIA and United Fruit bigwigs. They promised him an army, weapons, and $3 million to support his coup. They
0: took him to Disney World. They were going to pay for the Universal tickets, that's a little bit too much, and then you just get the Minions shit all over again. It's kind of like, okay, we're, we're tired of this now. It's been like four movies of Minions. I get it. I get it. So, but they took him to Disney World. He had like a churro. He enjoyed himself. Got his experience America. You know, won him over. That that sweet, sweet capitalism.
1: And that was half the three million dollars that was supposed to. <laughs> no no shit. shit. No shit.
0: Are you sure you need this life-size Woody sex doll? Oh yeah. It's not like you can get a Japanese female sex doll and turn it into Woody. Come on. We need to start here, right at the end. The, you know, at the finish line. <laughs>
1: All right, it's $800,000. Well, do you guys have (laughs) Wi-Fi? Do you sell novelty Woody mustaches? Sir, uh, Woody doesn't have a mustache. Don't argue with me. (laughs) I need it for the kink. (laughs) My Woody does. (laughs) My Woody does. United Fruit offered to use their port and their railroad to support rebels within the country. All they asked is that, when Armas took power, he gave them back all their land and let them abuse the peasantry as much as they wanted. Unlike Miguel y e. de Goris, Armas had no problem being anyone's bitch, so he agreed to the terms. My man. In January of 1954, disaster struck for Armas and the CIA when one of his couriers defected ran straight to President Arbenz, and sold them details of the coup for 100000 American dollars. Oh my god. I always love it when people say it like that, too.
0: 100000 of your American dollars. <laughs> you know, it adds more gravitas to the situation. You say, like, 100,000 yen, what is that, like six bucks? I don't know the... The conversion rate. I need you bad guy in the movie to tell me how many American dollars that is. So, I appreciate that, Greg. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Well, the CIA was like, <laughs> Okay. And kept on planning their operation, as if nothing had changed. The American diplomat tried to smooth things over and talk his government out of action, at which point he was promptly replaced by a dude named John Purefoy. Who was described as, quote, not a deep thinker and, quote, not a reader, which is code for he was an idiot. He knew no Spanish. He knew nothing of Guatemala, much less the ingredients that would go into it. You right, know. idiot. Fucking but man. he knew there were commies there and he was going to drive them out. Yeah, better dead than red, motherfuckers. Go get them, John.
0: American hero.
1: <laughs> Well, Purefoy immediately began distributing anti communist leaflets in Guatemala and slipped anti Arbenz articles into papers of surrounding nations. Arbenz had actually met Purefoy back in December of 53 and tried to mend the fences, but Purefoy refused to budge on any diplomatic matters because he believed the National Agrarian Department, the NAD, was, quote, dominated by communists. Again, there were 26 communists out of 350 representatives in the National Agrarian Department. And they're just running the
0: show. Fucking powerful communists. They're so powerful Mm -hmm. and so inept at the same time. It's almost like we're creating an enemy out of thin air, so they need to be scary and also not scary. I I don't know. I don't know how the PR thing works,
1: but... uh, The coastal elite. Yeah. And the welfare queen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Arbenz and his government continued to tell the U.S. that they weren't commies and just wanted to allow their own people to compete with American businesses, but it fell on deaf ears. Secretary of State John Dulles convinced every Central American nation to sign an agreement to fight communism, even in their neighboring countries. Huh. wonder who he's targeting. (laughs) That's weird. That's weird. The US also refused to sell arms to the Guatemalans, who knew for a fact that the Americans were selling guns to their neighbors. And so, in May of nineteen fifty four, President Arbenz did the absolute worst thing he could. He ordered guns from a communist country. What an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Just under the microscope and death warrant. You go, you go and do that. In exchange for a million dollars, the Czechoslovakians sent 15,000 crates of weapons to Guatemala on a Swedish ship. The CIA watched the whole thing happen and then launched a guerrilla raid to take out the weapons as soon as they were loaded on rail cars. John Purefoy knew that the weapons were for the Guatemalan army and not for communist insurrectionists, but he sure as shit didn't tell anyone that. Instead, he and the Dulles brothers used it as a green light for Operation Success. Yeah. Prestige worldwide. Worldwide. The Dulles brothers kind of seem like uh,
0: stepbrothers. Yeah, they do. <laughs> one of the cool things and funny things about this, too, is the weapons they got shipped were complete shit. They got some anti-tank weapons, despite the fact no one in Central America had any tanks. Yet. <laughs> yeah, they got a bunch of broke down like refurbished German guns from World War II the Czechs had just like found abandoned in their country as Germany retreated I mean it was a bunch of shit so they got sold a bill of goods and called a communist at the same time man what shit tier look
1: yeah, it's kind of like when you uh, offer to suck the dealer's dick for coke and you just get crack <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. it's, it's only half of As effective as coke. Everybody knows that.
1: Right? I think it's twice as effective. Is it? Before the coup was launched, the CIA set up a radio station and began broadcasting anti-Arbenz propaganda while simultaneously blocking the government-owned radio station. The Guatemalan foreign minister, Guillermo Torrella, met with John Purifoy and offered to pay more for United Fruit Land, but it was too late. At that same time, Colonel Carlos Castillo Armas was finally meeting, quote, his army, which was handpicked and trained by the CIA, and even included some American soldiers of fortune.
0: Is that still a job? Can you still do that? Yes. I didn't know that. Like, does that magazine still exist? And
1: It's called Military Contractors.
0: Oh, that's true. What was that one that got rolled into trouble in Iraq? Uh, Blackwater? Blackwater
1: was their first name. We've gone by many since. Oh,
0: I thought they had a surname. That's just where you're going with that. Blackwater Jones. That's what they went by
1: back in the day. But then they got married, and he... It was Blackwater (laughs) MacGruber. On June 18th, 1954, Armas climbed into a station wagon and crossed into Guatemala. Do you think uh, he got to sit in the far back? Like, that very back, like...
0: The door opens, you can climb in the back of the groceries, going you go, because, man, as a kid, that was a big fucking thrill. You know, back before safety standards and car seats, and we gave a shit about our kids, like, you would sit in the far back and, like, wave at people as you drove down the road.
1: I think he probably played the part of the hood ornament. <laughs> yeah. He just... was, I mean, he was supposed to be, like, driving into this country, and it was going to spark this revolt. Like, surely he would be featured. Right. You know? <laughs> well... The CIA thought news of Armas' arrival would spark a revolt within the country, but nothing happened. So they ordered Armas to stop his advance just six miles into Guatemala. The CIA then launched air attacks, which involved flying a Cessna over Puerto Barrios Mm. (laughs) and dropping a hand grenade. Another pilot strafed the city of Cobán with gunfire but didn't pay attention to his fuel levels and had to crash land in Mexico. Two other planes from the Liberation Air Force were hit with small arms fire and grounded. The invasion was a comedy of errors. Colonel Armas was instructed to take the lightly guarded towns of Zacapa and Puerto Barrios Mm. and was turned back by the Guatemalan military.
0: Just a bunch of avocados and onions and shit, just holding their ground, man.
1: Yeah. They're really just nonplussed. Server, like uh, (laughs) this shit again. What other (laughs) toppings do you want? No, fuck you. You have some enthusiasm, (laughs) and I will tip you the minimum of (laughs) zero (laughs) percent.
0: I'm the Sunday after church
1: crowd. Suck my dick. (laughs) (laughs) Black-eyed pea was on a wait, so I came here. (laughs)
0: Go cervezas, por favor.
1: (laughs) Alcohol is a sin, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Eight live Guatemalas to go. (laughs) (laughs) The CIA used a World War II bomber to bomb a Honduran airfield to try to draw them into conflict with Guatemala but they only dropped test bombs filled with water and one actual bomb that didn't even explode. So really everyone was just fucking confused. (laughs) Another confused person was the ex-Marine who was ordered to bomb the government radio station in Guatemala City. But, uh, well, instead, he blew up an American evangelical radio station that was, fortunately... Unoccupied at the time. Or, unfortunately, depending on how you see the world, bless the Lord. We were outside getting some live Guatemala. Because that black-eyed pea, you know.
0: The <laughs> it <weight was>, <laughs> It's just, it just too long. What's going on? What's going on? I mean, it's good chicken fried steak. I just don't understand. why. What, what's the deal here? You go to Chili's? No. No. Come on. That's secular talk. And boy. <laughs>
1: boy, do I love a flavorful. Black eyed bee. <laughs> said no one ever. Black eyed peas are fucking disgusting. Maybe we need to eradicate the black eyed bee I don't know. I like that one song. Let's get it started. I think the original thing is let's get retarded. No, you can't say. They that. need Shh. to be canceled. <laughs> no, I think that's what they fucking said. I think that's the original.
0: It is the original, and they do need to be canceled.
1: All right for God damn
0: it! So many reasons. I'm on your team. I've switched teams. I'm on your side now. Let's get rid of the Black IP. Thank you.
1: Foreign Minister Torrio began begging the UN to intervene, but UN ambassador and United Fruit stockholder Henry Cabot Lodge was able to prevent it by privately telling England and France to stay out of their business, and the US would ignore England and France fucking around in Cyprus and Indochina, respectively. And, uh, We'll probably revisit the little topic of France and Indochina yeah. at a later time. I don't know. I've, I I just looked at my globe that sits here on my desk while we
0: record, and I don't see an Indochina. That's weird. Like, what is what
1: is that country? <laughs> yeah, it's not just China getting high, folks.
0: <laughs> Smoking Indo, sipping Smoking on ginger. Indo. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, at the same time. President Eisenhower approved the use of American planes and professional CIA pilots to bomb Guatemala. They were so effective, they earned the nickname Sofoltis, or laxatives, because of basically what they did to Arben's government officials. <laughs> we're bombing they pooped their pants, yes. <laughs> yeah, America. Yes, got them. Colonel Armas was able to take the town of Chicomilla, which was barely across the border, but then his advance once again stalled. In reality, the Guatemalan military was holding its own, and the CIA bombers weren't doing enough damage to win any wars, but none of that mattered. The CIA radio station had convinced the people and the soldiers of Guatemala that Armas had a massive invasion force that was marching through the countryside to free Guatemala from communism. No one actually saw this army? and almost no Guatemalans had experienced any warfare. But the propaganda still worked. You have to understand, this was a time before AOL Online. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, before you get
0: on the chat rooms. ASL. I don't know, my country's being invaded.
1: I don't know what my location is anymore. Yeah, I mean, and and this is me being on there in modern day... I don't know, a 14-year-old female from I don't even know where. (laughs) guy's like, but you're a 14-year-old female? I'm like, I mean, yeah. I can be, if the price is right. What do you want?
0: (laughs) (laughs) He asked for feet pictures, and they're all hairy and... Obviously the feet of a grown man, but, you know, he doesn't care. He's a pervert.
1: Boom! Chris Hanson! <laughs> Got you! <laughs> yes! You fucking idiot. It didn't matter what country I was from. Ha ha ha! Don't you have a seat, you son of a bitch? Waifu doll walks into the fucking room. <laughs> Put a voice box in it where you're obviously talking from. <laughs> what was your plan here? <laughs> I told him I was 42! And I was also married. That mustache <laughs> betrays you. I thought your voice would be uh, even deeper than it is. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this joke. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> on June 27th, 1954, nine days after the coup began, President Jacobo Arbenz signed his resignation and then walked into the Mexican embassy to request amnesty. He was killed. Mm -hmm. I actually made that up. Uh, But the real story is, he was replaced by Colonel Carlos Diaz, who told the U.S. he would get rid of all the communists in the government, but he was going to keep fighting Armas. John Purifoy told Diaz (laughs) to resign because he was, quote, not convenient for American foreign policy. When Diaz refused, the CIA resumed bombing. Diaz who had already been nicknamed Sad Chicken by his military friends, then gave up the office. Well, Dios was replaced by Alvarado Monzon, who signed a truce with Colonel Armas. They formed a military junta and fought for the approval of the U.S., specifically John Purefoy, but the leadership of the country had already been promised to Armas. He was made president, and in the fall of 1954, he held an election where he was the only candidate on the ballot, and won with a resounding ninety-nine percent of the vote. Who did the other one
0: percent vote
1: for? You, they're the ones that are like Charlie Brown. My penis. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Mike Hunt.
0: Get it, guys?
1: <laughs> yeah, no. no, like say it out loud. But you gotta say it a little faster than that. <laughs> yeah Miguel Huntero,
0: I don't understand what does that mean What is, what is this <laughs> word?
1: <laughs> Armas's first act was to return all land to the United Fruit Company and lower their tax rates. but Eisenhower and the justice Department they had no real ties to United Fruit, and they didn't care for how they were being portrayed in the international media. You know this has been going on for a while. It's a yeah. different regime. Not necessarily as invested as previous regimes.
0: And not only that, you pissed off the Brits and the French when you said, Hey, stay on our business, we'll stay on yours. They're like, hey, we're still gonna put in our, our papers how you're like fucking over this country.
1: And see how you deal with it, you stupid motherfuckers. Well sure, but I I mean like dollar wise. They're they're not invested like previous people protected. That's true, more, yeah, right? Yeah. So just days after our resignation the DOJ sued United Fruit under antitrust laws. It took another four years, but the United Fruit monopoly was eventually broken up. They became Chiquita brands and sold almost all of their land in Guatemala to the Dole Corporation. I don't know who to hate anymore. Do I hate
0: Chiquita or Dole right now? Who do I cancel, Greg? Chiquita. Just tell me. Okay. Bob Dole yes. just
1: died. No,
0: oh, that's fine.
1: Ah, yeah, both.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, fucking both. Fuck Jaquita and Dole's Bob Dol. corpse and his family, if they're listening.
1: God damn it, Chris. <laughs> <sighs> oh, try to go offensive. and You just take it one step further. I'm sorry, Bob Dole's family. I just lost a Patreon listener. Bob Dole likes your style. Bob Dole. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Bob, Dole. <laughs> Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole.Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Ambassador John Purefoy was rewarded with an ambassador assignment in Thailand. Oh, Ooh, hey. Must be nice. All the ladyboys. <laughs> yes. Well, Purefoy died later that year in a car crash. Probably hit one of those little bicycle boys, you know. Or girls. you Yeah. The ones bicycle the, boys. In in the the, the rickshaws? Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, like, short round from Indiana Jones. I mean, I guess. I feel like that was a racist portrayal, but sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Secretary of State John Dulles would have an airport named after him. Oh, that's where you,
0: you know, you couldn't think of his name or that's.
1: You got a handy in that bathroom, remember?
0: No, I could think of his name. We were just saving it. Oh, it was a, it was a joke. It was a setup. You didn't actually get a handy in that bathroom.
1: I mean, both (laughs) things can be true. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, it wasn't technically in the bathroom. It was on the tarmac. (laughs) (laughs) Homeland security came out there. No, it was a flight attendant. (laughs) (laughs) It was on a plane on the tarmac. (laughs) Jesus. Sorry. I've forgotten
0: details of this story as I've drank more throughout the years. Yes, I'm sorry. No, No,
1: flight attendant. Long blonde hair. Mm Mm-hmm. Name was Todd. <laughs> it's very sexy. As all Todds are.
0: Like Todd Bridges from Different Strokes.
1: Regretfully, he said he had a wife and kids, but... Uh, that's bullshit. You know how it is in the moment. I didn't care. Right. Well, Jacobo Arbenz. He bounced around the world, but was accused of being a communist everywhere he went. It was a sign of the times, you know? Didn't help that he went to Cuba and hung out with Castro for a while, but it was just uh, <laughs> ten, times, <laughs> ten times. He began to drink heavily and drowned in his bathtub in 1971. My man, oh. add 50 years to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Shit! Oh, I only shit. got only got like two days <laughs> as of this recording. Carlos Castillo Armas was president of Guatemala for three years before an assassin shot and killed him on July twenty seventh, 1957. In 1960, civil war broke out in Guatemala between the far-right dictatorship government and a rebellious far-left movement. The civil war would rage on for 36 years, with the United States supporting the Guatemalan dictators for the majority of the war because the far-left group was just a little too close to being communist for U.S. comforts. During that time, over 200,000 Guatemalans would die, and would also contribute to the genocide of 160,000 Mayan citizens of Guatemala. But hey, in 1999, after damning evidence that the U.S. supported the military leaders that committed the genocide was released, President Bill Clinton offered a formal apology to the nation of Guatemala. So, no harm, no foul, right? End of story.
0: Woo! We did it. We told that story. Our country apologized. Everything's great now in Guatemala. I'm sure I haven't, I don't know. It's a history podcast, not a current events in Guatemala podcast. But we do have a little bit more to tell you. A few more things that they didn't fit in the the flow of the narrative. But they're still important to know, and I like to call them, Greg. I like to call them Fast Facts. Fast Fact Number One The coup in Guatemala was not the first time the U.S. protected the United Fruit Company. In 1928, the United Fruit Workers of Colombia went on strike to protest their shit tier work conditions. In response, the Colombian Army opened fire on the striking workers killing an unknown number of people ranging from 47 to 2,000. Big gap. Foreshadowing their future tactics, the U.S. said the protesters had been communist subversives and threatened to send in their own military if Colombia couldn't protect United Fruit Company interests.
1: Fast Fact Number 2 During the 18 months that Decree 900 was in effect, the government distributed 1.5 million acres to over a 100,000 families at the cost of a little over $8 million. And remember, this is the decree where basically the government just fucking took land and was like, all right, we're going to do with this as we want. The distributed property included 1,700 acres of President Arbenz's land and 1,200 acres by future foreign minister Guillermo Torrello.
0: Fast fact number three. In 1954, the U.S. weapons sales embargo against Guatemala was incredibly effective. Not only could they not equip their own army or buy parts to repair equipment, they couldn't even buy enough ammunition to support the wealthy members of their national hunting and fishing club.
1: Fast Fact Number 4 United Fruit tried to fight the government's antitrust suit by claiming it was the will of the communists and even produced a film called. Why the Kremlin hates bananas. Still, in the late 1960s, United Fruit merged with a few other companies to form United Brands. In 1975, the stock of United Brands tanked, causing their president, Eli Black, to smash a hole in the window of his 44th floor New York office and jump to his death. Yeah, we did it! Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, that does it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found it entertaining and educational, because that's always our goal here on 100 Proof History, the podcast. You can find us on social media at 100 Proof History, 100 Proof History. You can find us online, 100proofhistory.com. There you'll find bios, a little bit of information about us. You can also find links to the said social media, and most importantly, a link to our Patreon. Where, for just $3 a month, you can get access to early episodes, old episodes, hangovers. You know, you can talk to us. You can just tell us about your day. You know, just get it off your chest. Just unload a little bit. We'll sit there and massage your feet and your in your socks, even though you're a little sweaty and it's kind of gross. But we, we just want you to feel good about yourself. You know, just kind of relax.
1: And you can talk to me and, well, you can realize there's a little bit more to my bio. <laughs> Then you may think, oh, oh, yes, yes, I did it.
0: I don't know what he means. But anyway, we will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode. I don't know what it's going to be about. Greg doesn't know what it's going to be about. We'll figure it out before we get there. In the meantime, I am your sexy co-host, Christopher. And for Wolf Dick, our esteemed influid producer, Dan Dan the Interman, we thank you for listening, and we ask main host, You know, if there was a firework on the show just brightly exploding, making everything so much better, it would be main host, Gregory. What else?
1: Oh, uh, uh, no, nothing. Okay, cool. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: Francisco Arana was ambushed on the road and killed in a gun battle by unknown. And mysterious, what I say somewhere? Gun battle, gun beetle, <laughs> gun beetle,
1: so, you, know, you, you, you know what you did. You know what you fucking did. It's tiny gun <laughs> It's gun beetle, It comes out of the poop, and then it, it gets into the <laughs> into the flower, and it ruins the flower. <laughs> <laughs>